Good evening, Sportzonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglialoro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. Of course, we are rebroadcast, redistributed through all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for joining us no matter how you join us, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Bullhorn. Rate, like, share, subscribe, do all the things. Thank you for listening to us, and we got a good show for you tonight. We're back recording at our normal time. We will be joined by Dave Hastings, Larry Schmelrose, Eric Pfeiffer. Matter of moments here. We got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, Because Mr. Schmelrose is back, we we will be able to cover uh, everything that's gone on in the NHL playoffs. We got NBA playoffs to talk uh, with Dave tonight, um, we got NFL to talk about, probably talk uh, a little more about the draft because I know we got Dave's thoughts when it happens, but Schmelrose was not able to give his, or I should say Fife, hard to keep track. So we'll talk about that. They put out the schedule for this coming season this past week. We'll get into that. I'll probably be moaning and groaning about where the Mets are, but for right now, he is back. After a multi-week absence, ladies and gentlemen, Larry Schmelrose is with us tonight. Larry Schmelrose, how you doing there? I'm doing good. Good evening to you and all the millions of listeners out there today. <laughs> Welcome back, buddy. Welcome back. It is good Thanks, to have I you back. I appreciate it. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So, like I like I said there, you've been out for a couple weeks here. We know good and hell well I wouldn't be able to cover a hockey segment. Dave didn't feel right doing any hockey without you here, buddy. So let's talk a little hockey. I know, like, the last couple weeks you haven't been able to be with us because we were taping on nights where your devils are playing. So I guess I should be saying, sorry, you're here tonight? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I mean, you know, actually, I don't – I'm trying to think now. I think game four – yeah, they might have been playing tonight, so I might not have been able to make it. But uh, (laughs) they did get eliminated. Um, unfortunately, uh, mm-hmm. they got, they got beat by a more complete, better, uh, ready to go playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the one thing I will say is, uh, something that kind of disappoints me that I continue to hear, uh, which I don't think is going to happen with management or within that locker room, um, is, you know, the future is bright and we can't wait to be back here next year. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are excited about the future of the New Jersey Devils, which is all well and good. But how many times as a whole in professional sports have you heard an interview with a guy who, when he was young, uh, made it to a big stage, um, thought that because he did it early in his career, it was just going to be the norm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, 20 years later, 15 years later, you know, the, they wish they would have, you know, taken in the moment a little better or seized it um, because they thought it was going to be something that would happen continuously. And then maybe they never got back or it just never went as the, it was planned. And you just never know what next season holds. So 
Uh, right. As much as I love hearing people say, yeah, they're a year ahead of schedule. I mean, when you get into those situations, you need to be able to seize the moment and try and rise up as a team and, and, and take advantage of them because you need to realize that it takes a lot of work to get there. It took You can't forget all the work it took to get to that point. And um, complacency can be uh, your biggest enemy at this point because everybody's right excited for the future. And, uh, you know, I just want that I want management to realize that there are additions that need to be made. There are uh, development, developmental things that need to happen. And this team just cannot be complacent. They have a, a, a laundry list of restricted and unrestricted free agents going into the off season. So I'd like to see them make the right decisions there. Um, you know, and honestly, I, I feel like once they got into the second round, the experience excuse was out the window because right. you battled back from down two Oh, you went to a game seven. Um, you know, you won an overtime game. That should be all the experience that you need. And once you get in a round two, it's, you know, it's time to play some hockey. And like I said, the Carolina Hurricanes were definitely a more complete team. Uh, they're very well coached. I think they figured out the best way to beat the Devils was to weather the storm. Because if you watch a lot of those games in the first 10 minutes, the Devils would come out humming and zinging. And, uh, you know, they'd weather the Carolina would re- weather the storm. The only game they didn't weather that storm was the game. They ended up losing eight to four. I wish I could have been on here after that game because I was not confident in that team after that game. Granted, they scored eight goals, but you're not going to score eight goals every night on a team like the Hurricanes. And you need to not give up four goals in that game, um, especially three shorthanded goals. But the Carolina Hurricanes seem to figure out that, you know, you weather that storm for maybe the first 10 minutes, you counter punch, and then you can get this young team off their game uh, if you can go put one or two quick ones on them. And that happened uh, when they let, they had about a four or five minute breakdown in the second period of game four, I believe. Mm. And uh, it was just, you know, that was all that was needed from Carolina was the Devils to get to running around and get off their game for four to five minutes. And they pounced and they struck. And, uh, you know, like a snake, man, they just, bam, as soon as they saw their opportunity, they hit it. And, Hmm. uh, you know, so Carolina had a very good uh, formula as to how to beat this young New Jersey Devils team. Um, I am excited. This is not to say that I'm not excited for the future of this team. Uh, but I would not want to see management get complacent this offseason. There's some additions that need to be made. Um, they can get better throughout the lineup. The, the young core is there. Um, this might surprise some Devils fans. I would be okay if they're not able to retain a Dresper Brat. Um, I thought he tried to play a little too pretty, um, and he was a little bit weak on the puck in the playoffs, and I feel like he's a good player. And he's going to be a great addition to a team. And if they keep him, I'm very happy with that as well. But I'm not going to be upset if they don't. Uh, I feel like they can round out that top six and they can fill his spot with somebody who can give them what he gave them this past season. Um, so it's going to be interesting. You know, I think Dave, we won't see Damon Severson, who's a longtime devil for his whole career. I don't believe we'll see him back. He's going to get priced out of what the devils are going to be willing to pay for him. Um mm. But you know, Luke and, Hughes, and what Luke is his Hughes, name again? Uh, Damon Severson, number twenty-eight. Okay. He was right. a good player. He played well during the regular season. He played 
better against non-playoff teams. But uh, he struggled against some of the better teams. And he is a good puck-moving defenseman. He gets that puck moving up the ice. Um, he's a good player. And, again, he spent his whole career there, but I'm okay uh, with him walking. And, you know, my big ticket item, I think, would be to the price tag on a restricted free agent offer on Timo Meyer is very high. So my hmm. big ticket item is to either make that offer, um, which I think believe is $10 million for the next season, or get him a long-term contract that he's happy with over the next four to five years. Uh, because I feel like he was, uh, he was held off the score sheet against the Rangers. Uh, pretty sure for the entire T or maybe he had an assist um, he didn't score a lot of points against the Rangers, but to me, he was the biggest player in that series because they were so focused on him and trying to hit him and cheap shot him and whatever else. Um, and his size and physicality just played a big difference. He got the, the head of uh, Igor Sharankovich, who I almost just called Hendrik Lundqvist. Um, <laughs> nice. But he, 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 he was able to get his head. And I think that was a big difference in the series. So I think the things that he did that didn't show up on the score sheet were the reason, one of the big factors as to why they were able to win that first round series. And again, it just wasn't enough against Carolina. And that's another thing they're going to have to add is, is just some, some presence up front. Net front presence is very big in the league, especially when you get to playoff time. So they're going to need to add, and it's hard with the style they play because they're going to have to add a little bit of size, but that size has to come with speed. So it, it again, it's a bright future. I can't say this enough. Management cannot get complacent. They need to find the places. They need to build on this team. Um, I'm happy with the way Vitek Vanacek played in net uh, for the regular season. Everybody seems to forget this was his first full season as a starter, so that's a big workload. So you can understand why the playoffs might have been big for him uh, as far as the moment goes or just the amount of workload he had this season. I like Akira Schmidt. I think there's a lot to build on there. So I think you have a good 1A, 1B goaltending com combination, but I also think that you would be stupid to close the door to something that might be better. So keep your eyes open there and just make the right additions throughout the lineup. Uh, like I said, Damon Severson's going to be gone, but that's going to open up the door for Luke Hughes to play a lot more games. Um, and I'm not sure what Ryan Graves' future is with the team. Anyway, these are all decisions that are going to come over the next couple of months. Um, and, you know, again, excited for the future, no complacency. I can't say that enough. That's your biggest enemy right now. Don't think mm -hmm. because you made it here and you're ahead of schedule that you can just stop building this team because there's a lot of holes that need to be filled and Carolina exposed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Did that you was do... a rant. No, 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 no. Dude, you've been gone for like two weeks, man. Say what you want to say. That's fine. Um, yep. Um, you have a guy whose last name is Graves on the Devils. Yeah, Ryan Graves, big big body defenseman. I believe he'll be replaced by the is that... kid Kevin Ball. No, okay. no relation. Okay. All right. Because you know I don't know a lot about hockey, but I know the name Graves. So I heard that and I was just like, wait a second there. Yeah. So there's that. And I totally agree with the main part of what you were talking about is that you don't want to hear, what did you say, the front office guys? 
kind of sitting on their laurels. Those are the last guys you want to hear doing that. You know and damn well. I got plenty of experience being in this type of situation here, Fife. And you're absolutely right. You don't want to hear that because you don't know if you're going to get back. Trust me. I know all about the not getting back part. Right. Yeah. So And and if I'm being honest, I think Tom Fitzgerald, who's the general manager of the New Jersey Devils, I think he he's he's already chomping at the bit to get going on this off season and see what he can add to this roster. So good. None of what and I said, none of what I said was a negative towards him or the front office. It's right just what you're hearing from a lot of these, you know, reporters on NHL network or ESPN or fans uh, on social media is all oh, the future's bright for this team, which is fine for those people to think, but the people within that locker room and the people within the organization within the front office need to, make sure that they're taking the next step to get to the next level because it was made obvious that they're not at the level they need to be at yet. Mm. And I I totally agree with that because you want the fans thinking there's a bright future, especially no disrespect. You've had a couple of lean years there. So there's nothing wrong with the fans thinking that, you know, the, the best is yet to come here. But if you're in the front office, you need to be thinking, yeah, our future's bright. If we do this, we got to do that. We got to make sure we do this. You got to be thinking beyond that long term. And I, that, what you said about having a lot of free agents, here's another thing I got experience on. Problem with having a lot of free agents is you have to spend a lot of money just to get back to where you were this season talent-wise. The problem with doing that is depending on what the salaries are, they clog up your roster and by the time you get around to actually adding on top of what you have, now you got a big ass payroll. Well, and that's, that's one of problem. the good things is is I think that, you know, with the exception of maybe one or two, I think that the free agents um, that are freed up, uh, the money wise is going to stay about the same, except maybe like a Damon Severson, who I believe is going to get priced out of the New Jersey Devils. Um, some He's a good defenseman. They're hard to come by in the league and somebody's going to offer him big money. Fortunately enough for the Devils, they have someone that they're willing, that they're ready to let step into that role in Luke Hughes. Uh, what I will say is if in five years, the Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Luke Hughes, uh, I'll even throw Kevin Ball in there. Like, this is part of the core and there are more names to throw into that core. But if in five years, those guys uh, are getting split up from the team and they don't have a Stanley cup ring on their finger, uh, this was a bust. Mm. Yeah. Now I guess you on that. And I'm not talking uh, a finals appearance or any, I'm talking a, a, a fourth Stanley cup for the New Jersey devils organization before this core of, like I said, Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, those guys, before they leave this team, um, if they do not have at least one ring on their finger, it is a bust. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. We, Like you said, across all sports, we've seen plenty of players' careers be a bust because during a time where you thought they were going to win a championship, nothing happened. So, right. yeah. And, and and numbers aside, I mean, they could have great careers and great numbers. But um, as far as the Devils organization is concerned, like I said, it, and, and I'm not trying to be negative where everyone else is being positive, even though it may sound that way and it may come off that way. I'm just saying that if this core does not win a cup, this is a bust. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of what you're saying is – sounding to me at least negative at all you're just trying to make sure that everything stays grounded 
So the work that continues to need to be done can actually get done there. I don't think there's anything wrong with that uh, at all. That's kind of the nuanced way of looking at it as a fan, as opposed to being overreactive one way or another there. That's the difference Uh between you and Frank the Tank. (laughs) You know who Frank the Tank Fleming is, right? Uh, Maybe. Uh, He's a barstool guy. Okay. That's the yeah. big dude, right? The real big yeah. dude. And he and actually is a devil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I, I want to like him, but God damn it. He get, and he's a devil's fan, but he doesn't seem to give it to you guys nearly as hard. So I got to hear it about the fucking Mets. Yeah. but <sighs> I mean, I feel like you guys can relate a little there, too. No, we can relate. But like when you're saying this before the team plays a spring training game. Because everything he's saying, he's been saying for th- about three months now. So it just it makes it a little hard to take knowing you've been saying this the entire time and kind of just been waiting for your freaking moment because you just want everybody to tell you you're right. And I'm 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 very sorry, Schmel Rose. I went off on this tangent here. I didn't mean to. It's not my fault. It's all yep. good, man. <laughs> it's all good. I it's don't, all about. Yeah, I don't like Frank the Tank anymore. I really don't. It's annoying. It's bad enough the way this fucking season has gone to listen to this fucking idiot every goddamn night. I just, I can't, I don't, I, I don't do it. I just scroll past. But anyway. All right. So that's unfortunately your devils. And to, to move on to the rest of the playoffs here, because we got Carolina taking on the Florida Panthers, who similar, similarly, dominated the Maple Leafs, who is a team that I know you were very high on coming into the playoffs. Yes. Well, what about that? Because, you know, they made it past the first round for the first time in, what, 20, 30 years? And then just what happened? Well, you know, to be honest with you, I was, uh, 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 you know, because I was wrong on everything but Dallas Mm. uh, as far as who I thought was going to win that second round. Uh, I went one for th- one for four there, which is not a good batting average. And uh, I mean, when you're picking them a year in advance, it actually I, I would look at that as a decent batting average because well, you had these picks like a year in advance. Well, I did text you guys before the second round started that I thought the Devils would beat Carolina. Um, I yeah. think my heart pushed that pick a little more uh, than I should let it up. Um, then I should have let it. Um, I think I I. So when we go to the West, I think I, I believe I picked Dallas and I believe I picked Edmonton. So Dallas did move on. Um, and then as far as Toronto goes, I very reluctantly picked Toronto. And that was mostly to stay within my preseason pick um, because of the way they celebrated after their round one victory. Uh, you know, they were the, the higher seeded team and they, they, snuck through the first round and they celebrated it because of that long drought of winning a playoff series. I mean, they celebrated it like they had just won the cup. I don't know if like the way those guys cleared that bench was uh, great. I mean, they went nuts and, and you know, I can't fault them for it, but I just feel like they never refocused and it, it almost seemed like they were content, uh, which is probably the wrong word, but uh you know, it just it didn't seem like they were able to refocus on their next round. And I don't know if you guys remember, you asked me uh, prior to the playoffs who I thought could be a dark horse out of the East. Mm. And I did 
and I did say Florida yeah. was one of those teams because uh, the way they were playing the last month of the year, they were playing playoff hockey for the last month, month and a half of the season, and they were playing at the top of their game, and that's one thing in hockey is, is when a team goes in at, uh, playing at the top of their game, and they're playing like one of the best teams in the league that can carry you through the playoffs. It's just what we're seeing. Um, and I'm actually going to take Florida to, I mean, they're a year removed from the president's trophy, right? Mm. So now this year they, and then they had some additions. They did lose a couple of players, um, but they did also have some additions to the team like, uh, like Kachuk. And uh, I feel like they are forced to be reckoned with. I feel like, um, they focused more this season on what they were going to need to do at the end of the year to be able to make the playoffs as opposed to winning a president's trophy. I've said this for a very long time about the president's trophy. I don't think it's a whimsical curse. I think it's that you didn't dial it back enough when you needed to dial it back enough. So when you're a record setting team like that, uh, you know, you, you just don't have anything left in the tank and you could see Boston had injuries. So whether that factors into to what's left in the tank and if you're at a quarter tank, half tank, um, you had injuries, you had, I just don't think they had the legs left anymore. Um, so that's why Florida was able to get by them and make that comeback after being down three to one. Um, and then I believe they, they were down three to one. They won the next three games. And then I believe they went on to go up three, nothing, on Toronto. So they won about six games row in the playoffs, which is a very difficult thing to do. And uh, so I honestly think that that's going to be a great series. I love the way the Carolina Hurricanes play the hot, play hockey, but I just feel like Florida's firing on all cylinders and they offered themselves, so did Carolina, some rest after a convincing uh, round two win. And I think Florida's going to win that and I believe it's going to go seven. Okay. So you got Florida going seven with Carolina there. Very nice. What else is very nice? We got this guy back with us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Hastings is with us tonight. Dave, how you doing? Not too bad, gentlemen. It is great to hear that wonderful, deep voice. <laughs> Nothing personal, Mike, but I got to hear yours last week. I, yeah, no, it. that's – That's fair. I mean, I, I got nothing on the Barry White of Sports Zone over here. I mean, uh, you're talking about me or Dave because Dave's got also got a beautiful deep voice. You got you got the Barry White though. No disrespect, Dave, but he's got the Barry White. I think Dave's is a little different type of bass. I got you. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope. Well, I'm glad you're here, Dave, because uh, I was just about to pick the West. But before I did that, uh, I had a question for you because I know you do kind of watch some of the playoff hockey. I know you said mostly you watch the Devils games. But one thing that I've noticed in these first two rounds, um, this is a different type of hockey playoffs than I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, there's a lot of years where you have like the two, one overtime, double overtime, triple overtime games, um, you know, or three, two, or just really like tight checking series with, um, uh, you know, where you have, just really tight games, one goal games, and you're on the edge of your seat for every single minute of the game because everything's so tight and every goal matters. And I just felt like in this playoff so far, and I'm hoping this changes in the conference finals because maybe I'm one of the minority who likes to see those edge of your seat type low scoring games. I mean, I mean, six, five, I'll take a six, five, you know, I'm talking one goal differentials, you know, it doesn't have to be a two to one or three to two game. But one thing I noticed 
in these playoffs that seems different to me than any other playoffs is that you're having like these four or five goal differentials where you think like, wow, this team is just that much better than that team. And then all of a sudden you turn around and the next game, it's a four or five goal differential for the, the other team. And it's just, I don't believe I've ever seen a playoffs like this in my entire life. So I was just wondering if you've noticed any of that or what you think about it. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously I've paid more attention to the devil's uh, games than I have any of the others, but I've definitely noticed it. And it, one of the main reasons why I would always say to people, you know, arguably the best playoff, you know, set up is the NHL because of, that exact reason right you know you put on an nfl playoff game and you could have a three touchdown differential and it won't surprise you right especially in the earlier rounds or like for some odd reason most super bowls tend to be pretty lopsided where you know the nba it most of the time you get pretty you know pretty lopsided you know eight to 12 point wins and being able to see the NHL with, you know, a 3-2 or a 4-3 or a 2-1 or one nothing always really made that fun. And, yeah, it's definitely seen more seesaw. So, I mean, a lot of these series, well, last round withstanding for the most part, a lot of these series I felt were going six or seven games. And, yeah, I mean, you could use it. The, the Devils-Carolina uh, series is a great – I mean, the Devils go win eight to four and then get blown out like it, it i've definitely noticed it and it has taken away a little bit of the entertainment of it but at the same time i, I think like that devils carolina game last sunday where where the devils won eight to four i mean the devils were up seven to one and then it was seven four and you still had 13 minutes left in the third period and two of the goals that the uh hurricane scored were shorthanded goals three of them um, so, you know, teams aren't really out of it. and You just need a little momentum to go in your favor to completely swing a, a lopsided score. But, yeah, I've noticed it. I'm, I'm with you. I would say I would, I'm definitely hoping for much tighter games. Um, I am biasly rooting for the Panthers because uh, fuck Carolina. They knocked the Devils out. Um, <laughs> and not to mention that eighth seed making the Stanley Cup. I, that would be pretty cool as well. So. Uh, I think the Panthers are on a historical run, um, and, and it, it's it's unbelievable to see what they've done, and and it, it kind of is disappointing because I you know after Boston got knocked out, I think everybody in the playoffs, both on the East and the West, really said, "Wow, this is anybody's anybody's Stanley Cup now," um, and, and it still is. But as a Devils fan, you were you know obviously hoping that it was your team's Stanley Cup to go win. Yeah, I mean, and I got to be honest, I felt like if they would have found a way to come back and beat Carolina, I don't think the Devils were going to stand a chance against Florida the way Florida is playing right now. Um, and another interesting note about the three shorthanded goals that Carolina scored. Uh, the There has been three times now, I believe, in the NHL playoffs, uh, I think, where a team has scored three shorthanded goals. Each of those three teams lost the game. That's great. Well, the Devils scored them against the Rangers. Didn't they win their game? I don't believe they scored three. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they didn't score three. Three in one game has happened three times in the NHL playoffs. 
And uh, each time the team that scored three shorthanded goals has lost. And I, the belief is the reason for that is because, well, they're taking too many damn penalties in that game. So, <laughs> you know, um, and a lot of times, you know, you'll see a power play when they have a nice lead. It's sometimes a power play. will take a few more chances, try and pad the score um, or get a little lax on their own blue line. And so that could be one of the reasons why it's happened. But I just thought that was pretty interesting that that's happened three times and all three times the team with three shorthanded goals has lost. Because generally, a uh, shorthanded goal, like you remember the the, Giant, or the Devils when they had Johnny Madden, like when he would burst down the ice and score a shorthanded goal, it would change the entire momentum of the game. It even happened uh, when McLeod scored his against the Rangers. Like it changes the momentum of the game. But the Devils were already in with a pretty solid lead when it happened, you know. So it was it definitely helped Carolina's momentum to try and make a push. But um, you know, it just was too little, too late. Mm. Also, in that in that elimination game where the Devil game five where the Devils got beat, uh, I know there's a lot of Devils fans who thought they could have won that game. Um, I thought they got outplayed the entire game. Yes, they had the chance that Timo Meyer missed the wide open net. It could have been up 3-1 at that point. But other than that, uh, I feel like they were outplayed. They were outmanned. Uh, they were out-hustled. And I felt like that they didn't – if they had come out of that overtime with a win, I would have felt like they stole it and they didn't deserve to win that game. Yeah, I don't know if I can agree with you on that. I felt like – in every game that they lost, they basically were the better team in the first period. Other than game five, they ended the first period by committing some stupid penalty that put them in a power, uh, put Carolina in a power play to end the first period and start the second period. I think it was game one and uh, game game one or game two. They did that and Carolina scored uh, before the end of the first period. And like I felt like for the most part of the series, Carolina, the Devils were winning, dominating the majority of the first period, and then Carolina just either the Devils got gassed, and, and you saw the repercussions of, of going seven games with a crosstown rival, or whatever the hell it was. But I felt like the Devils were were the better team in the first period, but Carolina just was the better team overall in each game. So what I, I I kind of. I kind of when I started was uh, we started when I came on we started talking about the Devils and whatnot and so it's it's funny you say that because the what I had said to Mike is that Carolina is a very well coached team and I think they figured out the formula is how to beat the Devils okay and what I had said was uh, just a quick recap was that um, you weather the storm the first ten minutes of the first period these guys are fast they're young they're quick they come out and they come out flying. And if you can weather that initial storm and play solid defense in your end and get some big saves out of your goaltender and then counter punch and be able to score a goal either late or, you know, after the first 10 minutes, you can kind of get these young guys to start running around a little bit and get off their game um, because it, it's demoralizing when you dominate, when you feel like you've dominated a team, but you still come out down a goal. Um, so I feel like Rod Brindamore, I feel like that was part of the formula was to just weather that storm, play solid defense. Um, don't let them capitalize on the big opportunities that inevitably they're going to get early in the game because that's their type of team that came out fast. Hit them with that counter punch and then keep pouring it on while your opportunity is there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, 
that that's exactly like absolutely like the devils came out swinging and it like it remind like if you think back to um the mike tyson days right like guys would try to get mike early hit him with body shots and try to get him to get tired and mike would basically be like yeah you have a plan until i punch you in the mouth and <laughs> the devils come out and throw throw shots and if they didn't score early and, and try to give themselves a lead it, it was it was bad news bears the rest of the game. And, and it was, I mean, I, I was, you would have thought I was watching the Cowboys playoff game. Like the way <laughs> I was paying, like my, my girl made fun of me. She's like, your hands are sweating right now. I'm like, because I am fucking in this right now. Like I was invested. Like I am buying a Jack Hughes Jersey, like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm going to buy her a Jack Hughes Jersey. Like you should get her a Luke. Should, yeah. <laughs> she might get mad and be like well why don't you take luke i'll take jack because she's a bit like she's a she's a field hockey coach so like she's screaming get your stick down dude like and i'm like oh my i'm like what is are you coaching field hockey or she's like well some of it's really similar i'm like no i can tell but damn like we were yelling so loud loud her cats were sprinting out of the living room like freaking the fuck out because we were yelling at the tv so much Mm. (laughs) nice Beautiful. All right. I want to uh, keep this moving a little bit here. Um, So I know we said we were going to talk Western Conference Finals, which we got the Vegas Golden Knights going against the Dallas Stars. Dallas beat the Kraken four games to three in the um, semifinals and Vegas downed Edmonton four games to two. What did you think about that, Schmelrose? Well, I think the big difference between these two teams going into the conference final is uh, Dallas made it through without their big gun scoring and which is uh, Robertson from Dallas. And uh, he's not putting up the numbers that you would expect him to put up. Um, not not the numbers that he put up in the regular season. Um, so somehow they were able to push through in seven uh, without having him get on his game. Whereas Vegas has Jack Eichel, who I didn't know what we were going to get out of him because he was in Buffalo all those years. His first playoff experience. I mean, this kid, this guy is firing on all cylinders. Whatever neck surgery he decided to get apparently worked. Um, So Buffalo should be kicking themselves in the rear end for just not letting him do it and keep around because they have a very good up and coming team, too. And he would be a big help to them. Could have been a big help to them this season. Um, So that's the big difference to me. If Robertson can get it going, I think Dallas has a bit of an advantage. Uh, but then again, I've been picking against Vegas all playoffs long, and I've been wrong. Um, so I'm going to go with them this time, and I think it's going to be a Florida Panthers versus uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup final. A one from the West versus an eight from the East. And no game to be seen. What's that? <laughs> And no Canadian team to be seen. Nope. Uh, the, the drought from 93 continues. <laughs> Damn. In fact, okay. they're all Southern teams. Yeah, man. That is true. Southern portion. Let me ask you a question because Florida, if you go to ESPN and try to look at the standings, they have Florida down as like a four seed or something. How do you know which ones are the four seeds? You got to look uh, the eight seeds. You got to look at the standings. It's the wild card. So when you go into the um, the standings for, they're a four seed from their comp or their division. 
I believe it's the Atlantic Division. So when you go to the, if you go to the NHL standings, you click on the wild card. Uh, and that'll tell you where everybody lined up. And because they played the number one seed uh, first round, that made them the eight seed. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, that'll definitely be interesting. Definitely parody is not dead in the NHL, which is a good thing. So did you have any other hockey thoughts? Otherwise, we might move on to football a little bit there. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say is um, Chicago won the draft lottery. They will get Connor Bedard, who is probably one of the best prospects we've seen since Connor McDavid. Um, and they've already sold like two and a half million dollars worth of uh, uh, season ticket packages since the a few hours after the draft lottery went off and they got number one. So, um, Chicago has a bright future if they, you know, it's only one piece, like even like their GM said when it happened. Uh, we're happy to have them, or we're happy to have the pick. It's one piece, and we need to build around it properly. So that's if you're a Blackhawks fan, that's that's what you want to hear out of your general manager when that happens. Yep. And it is Chicago, so like I said, I don't know a lot about hockey, but I know that's definitely one of the teams that always winds up finding their way back into the championship picture. So goes to a team with a good pedigree there. Yes. Yep. All right, so we'll move to football here. Obviously, they just released the schedule uh, late last week. We had talked, uh, me and Dave, a little bit uh, about some of the games that had been put out to that point. But, uh, well, Schmelrose, you want to get Mr. Pfeiffer for us? I heard football, and I'm already here. Hey, Eric Pfeiffer is back on the show tonight. Fife, how you doing? I'm good. Good evening, fellas. How are you? (laughs) This is never going to get old. I swear to God. This is never going to be old to me. (laughs) I enjoy it. And Fife and Schmelrose both know I do, so we go along with that. All right, you haven't been here for a couple weeks, and honestly, we obviously we had the NFL draft a few weeks back there. I know me and Dave talked a little bit about it. You had all the quarterback movement in the first round. You had the run on wide receivers. The Giants wind up – Solid cornerback prospect. I can't remember who they took in the second round, but then they end up with the developmental wide receiver, uh, Jalen Hyatt, I believe was his name. Tell us, what did you think about the draft? I thought they did a good job. Um, uh, Joey Porter Jr. went to Pittsburgh shortly thereafter. Right. Uh, So I know that when it first happened and the Giants traded up one pick uh, to the Jaguars to get the cornerback that they wanted. Look, I've said it multiple times. I trust this new regime to make the proper decisions for the team. Jory Porter Jr. for me was a heart pick, but I believe they made a football pick here. Um, I I know there were a lot of Giants fans uh, immediately confused as to why they would trade something away to just move up one spot. And my initial thought was that Dallas at 26 may be trying to get there to get him, or there was, that was my initial thought, right? So they want to beat out Dallas for the player they wanted or uh, another team. And it turns out I heard, uh, God, I can't remember who, but there was somebody trying to trade with Jacksonville to get to that 24 spot. So I guess the, you know, the grapevine was going around and the Giants heard that. Uh, they made a move for the player they wanted, and I'm not upset about it. Um, uh, second round, they ended up getting that that center, who's supposed to be 
one of the top centers. Um, oh, you got to make up. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You got to make up John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt jerseys next year. His name is John Michael Schmitz. Yes. And uh, from what I understand, he's supposed to be based on pro football focus. Take that for what it is. He's supposed to be day one ready. Um, and he's he's a quick footed mauler in the middle. And then Hyatt, you know, they, everybody's calling him a developmental receiver, but he's got some of that downhill speed. Uh, he gets open, is a bigger body, and he is a Bolishnikov award winner, if I'm not mistaken. So I think they did a pretty good job, and uh, they added some running back depth, which with the current Saquon Barkley situation going on, um, you know, whether he plays on the franchise tag or not, from what I hear about this kid, I believe his last name is Gray. Uh, He's a very Eric good, Gray. very strong downhill runner, but also a very good pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, so anything that can give Saquon a little bit of a spell or possibly not have, you know, look, you guys know I love Saquon, Penn State, all the way. Um, uh, look, if you if this guy comes in and he's as dynamic as, as some people say he is, obviously he's not going to be a Saquon Barkley, but if he can give you one to three, you know, the first, you know, if he can be a three down back or at least the first two downs um, and he's cheaper, it opens up more cap space down the road. And if you're looking at it from a business standpoint, uh, it's not a bad move to give yourself some insurance with everything that's going on with your running back position, kind of how much you rely on it out of the backfield. Um, so I thought they did a very good job. Also, they got another corner who something could, start as well on defense and uh based on how excited um wink martindale was with every defensive pick they made uh, i'm happy with it i'm not happy with the schedule but you know those are some of the things you can't control like field conditions or referees um you have to play the schedule that's put in front of you it's the first time since uh 1990 when they reinstated the bye weeks that a team is going to travel for the first seven of 10 weeks um in the nfl so i'm not sure exactly what happened there uh seems my teams are being overlooked a little bit schedule wise as far as difficulty goes because if you look at the devils not to go back to hockey but you know they were the only team going into the second round that didn't get an extra day's rest not to mention on top of that their game four game on a Sunday was at three 30 in the afternoon. So you're, you're looking at a day and a half there. So it's, uh, you know, as far as the giant schedule goes, they're just going to have to play it out and see what happens. Um, but it, and it's a lot of travel too. Like they're out West a lot. So, uh, it's a tough one, but hopefully they can make the most of it. And sometimes teams will let something like this motivate them. And honestly, road games for professional athletes kind of bring teams together because, you know, you got nobody else but your teammates there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Dave, I'll bring you in here so you can talk a little about the schedule too on that. But I want you to start this off by saying your idea that you had last week for the division games to Mr. Uh, Pfeiffer here. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Mike, I forgot I even said that. Um, yep. So, Fife, my thought or idea was that the first three games, since you play your three division rivals twice, first three games of the year and the final three games of the year are division games. 
because you know every team is is different from who they were in week one compared to who they are in week 18. Freeze, uh, different things. I, I just thought I thought it'd be a great way to really kind of make the divisions interest uh, more interesting when it comes down to the division races themselves. So for me personally, um, I like the idea, but I would tweak it just a little bit. Because one thing I've never, I've, I've always kind of been iffy on is that opening weekend against the division rival. Um, because guys are still dialing it in. So for me personally, and this is nothing against what you're saying, I like the, the last three games of the year part of it. I think I would jam the first three divisional matchups and say week four, five, and six. Or, you know, three, four, and five. Um, or, you know, whatever your bye week, three, four, skip, get your bye week, week six, you know, just to get these guys kind of going again for the first two or three weeks of the season. And then let those divisional clashes really be like, you know, because you, you know, as well as I do, the first month of the season is kind of iffy as far as, you know, how in shape the guys are and stuff. So personally, yeah. I prefer to see the divisional matchups when they're closer to firing on all cylinders as opposed to maybe week one. Um, but I do like the thought. I, I would just put maybe that little tweak on it. So I get what you're saying because Bill Belichick did say it best. The first four weeks of the season is really just an extension of the preseason. Right. Especially now. Mm. So I, I do I do I do get that. I just I just thought it'd be a great idea three weeks in a row to in the early part of the season, three weeks in a row to end the season. Cause I mean, think about it. Imagine going into week sixteen knowing your next three division three games or division games and your division's only apart from first to last by three games, your entire division could get flipped upside down in the final three weeks of the season. Now they already do the last game of the season as a division game, but like for an example, last year, the NFC East was pretty competitive. The Redskins were in uh, contention for the playoffs, the Giants, the Eagles, the Cowboys, like, Eagles Cowboys were try- basically looking at the number one seed where it, obviously Dallas needed a miracle, but it was still possible. And the Giants and Redskins were both fighting for uh, the final uh, two wild card spots. So, right. like, imagine if instead of having it be one division game in your final three weeks, all three weeks for all four teams were division games. For all you know, Dallas could have taken the the, the division lead and the number one seed. Philly ends up to two. The Giants and Redskins go two and one down that stretch and, and both pull out the, the final two wild card spots. Like, yeah, like anything could have happened. And I, and I think it would have just made things it, like I think that idea. But I do get what you're saying with the first three weeks, because, yeah, I, I don't want like <clears throat> I wasn't happy with the Dow- the Cowboys Giants in week one. Like I just I mean, I'm getting sick of that matchup week one, to be honest, for <laughs> years. The, this uh, that that opening day Sunday it'll be four years since the last time they played on opening week. Okay. Right, we watched it for five straight years. Yeah, and I were tired of it. But the NFL knows the ratings, and with the season the Giants had last year, and Jerry's always going to get a Sunday night, Monday night, or Thursday night game on opening Sunday because Jerry is arguably the most influential owner in the league. So he's going to get a prime time game on opening uh, opening weekend. Like there's the the Cowboys. It, it's why they've never lost the Thanksgiving game, even when they were complete trash. They still were on every Thanksgiving because Jerry is that influential. Right. 
And uh, with that, I do have to go. I will say, speaking of just speak, my last thing I'll say, speaking of prime time, is uh, man, the Giants do have what, like four, I think, prime time games this year. Five. Uh, five. Five. So that so that last season, the NFL is really banking on that, and I just find it. I mean, I guess the schedule falls how it may, and there's a lot of things involved. Um, computers and science and people and whatever and so they somebody is going to be unhappy but it's just weird that you would give a team that many prime timers and then there's a chance that you know after the first 10 weeks i mean they're they're in trouble so um but you know i'm not complaining about it though it is what it is you know I, i guess i'm the only one who actually enjoyed giants and cowboys every year on opening day like i'm fine seeing that every week every year on opening day i i i'm by myself on this huh i i can't stand i'd rather see them play week three or week four but i think it goes back to fife's point of you want your division games to be when your teams are shooting on all cylinders because those are the most important games you play during the regular season um either way though really quick fight just to make you feel a little bit better Three of the uh, four NFC's teams, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Giants, are top seven in most uh, miles traveled this season. Yeah. And it's the Eagles, uh, the Eagles, I think, are two, the Cowboys are three, and the Giants are five. Okay. <laughs> so, like, all three, the three best teams in the division are going to be traveling more than, than uh, the Washington or the majority of the league. Yeah, and most of those travel miles are uh, the first, like I said, the first 10 weeks for the Giants. But there's a chance they just stay out west because I think what they did do in their favor was like they gave two weeks out west. So there's a chance they just stay out west and they don't fly back after that Sunday game. They practice out west, you know. So they did kind of help them in that aspect of where they gave them something where they could schedule a trip for a two week trip instead of coming back, playing on the East, then going back West, you know, so they did help them a little there, but it is a lot of miles trap. Uh, but I do have to go. It is bedtime in my house and uh, <laughs> going to go help my wife. We are at 37 weeks pregnant. So the baby girl could be coming anytime now. And it's very exciting and nerve wracking all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, good luck with all of that. All the best with with all of that there, but nice nice to have you back this week, buddy. Go take care of what you got to take care of. Any final thoughts, Mister Fife? Well, we got the conference finals starting Thursday, so I'm gonna keep it to uh, what Mister Schmelrose just kicked me in the side and told me to say. <laughs> let's play hockey. <laughs> let's Thanks play hockey. Yeah. Thanks for having Eric- me, guys. I'll, I'll try and talk to you next week. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> We can get her done. Yeah. Eric Pfeiffer and Larry Schmelrose, ladies and gentlemen, thank you both for being with us. <laughs> All right. Well, look, listen, I still like the idea from last week. I was a fan of that game. I get the point and everything, but I don't know. I guess I live in a world where this would make the players want to get up for those games, huh? Well, and see, that's the thing. I don't, you're not wrong. Like the, I, I, I don't think it's a matter – I don't think his point was them getting up for the game. I think it was them truly being in football shape and and everybody having a clear understanding of their playbooks and what what type of team they want to be, right? Like, are you going to be run mm-hmm. first, first? Like, you know, like as a Giant fan, like are they going – are we 
going to watch a slow progression of opening up the playbook for Daniel Jones or they dive him right in in week one. Like for Dallas, like what's it going to be like with Kellen Morgan and Mike McCarthy calling plays? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I think it, I think that's the point he was more making, not really like their their le- energy level or, or anything more like conditioning and execution wise. Mm. I mean, it's a fair point. I definitely see where he's coming from on that. And I definitely understand it. We both play fantasy football. So I think we both get that sense. How streaky everything is because everybody is working their way back into shape those first couple of weeks. So I definitely understand that. But I like the general idea of you know where the division games are going to be. It's the same for everybody in the division. And we're just having them a certain amount of weeks near the beginning of the season, a certain amount of weeks at the end of the season. I like that. And for the record, I don't think he said – no, he actually agreed with the later in the season one. So Yeah, I don't know. he was on the same page with that one. Yep, yep. All right, with all that being said, so, okay, we talked about it here. Cowboys playing the Giants uh, opening week, and then week two they play Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. On the road to take on the Cardinals week three, week four against the Patriots. Then two more road games, 49ers and Chargers, Rams at home, and then on the road for the Eagles before back in Dallas to take on the Giants. And that's just the first half of the schedule there. Playing, um, They have a primetime game against the Eagles later in the season, and then on Christmas Eve they got 425 against Dolphins. Last game of the season – at a to-be-determined time, taking on the Washington Commanders. What did you think about the Cowboys' schedule? I mean, it's not going to be what it was last year, that's for sure. <laughs> they have the, the benefit of playing uh, playing the, the AFC South and the NFC South. Um, and I'm just seeing right here – December 20, December 17th at 425, they are in Buffalo to take on the Bills. Yeah, and Dallas has never been good in snow games. It, yeah. it, I'm assuming it. I mean, but to go from playing at Buffalo to at Miami, that is <laughs> – and then you get the Lions and Commanders to finish the season. Like, they don't, they don't really have any cakewalk games, but – when it's all said and done, this is a team that's won back-to-back 12 have, or has had back-to-back 12-win seasons. I don't think they're pulling 12 wins with this schedule. Um, but I do think you see, like, records-wise, I do still think Philly and Dallas are going to have the two best records in the NFC East. I, and I think most Giant fans would agree that there's nothing about Daniel Jones that makes you really sit here and think that he's your guy for the future. Um, <clears throat> I think that it, it really heavily relies on Debo and and how he calls games and, and uh, coaches him up more than Daniel Jones' skill set. Um, but another year in that offense, who knows, right? Like, so you don't know what the Giants, the Eagles – Jalen Hurts, had, it was his only good season of his career. Yes, I get it. He was in MVP conversations. He got let number one record in the NFC, number one overall seed, helped get the team to the Super Bowl. I get that, but let's see you do it another year in a row before I'm going to sit there and say you're the best quarterback in the division. Um, and I think that's where Dallas has the advantage. I still think Dallas has the best quarterback in the division. 
Um, Dak Prescott last year had more turnovers than he had in the previous like three years combined. Um, he is not a turnover machine like people want to say he was is uh, just because of the one bad year. Um, I think the offense is going to be more similar to what you saw Rodgers uh, doing in Green Bay, uh, where you're going to have your quick slants and, and your crossing routes. Uh, with the occasional deep shots. Um, I think adding a third receiver like Brandon Cooks, who's able to get open on his own. Uh, Michael Gallup being one more year removed from his ACL surgery should return more to form. Uh, C.D. Lamb showed Dallas fans why they were so willing to trade Amari Cooper. Um, adding Gilmore on the uh, cornerback end of things with the upcoming, uh, it'll be his second year, Deron Bland, who had five interceptions as a rookie. Uh, Micah Parsons, another year experience. He's apparently trying to add like 10, 15 pounds this off season to be uh, more, be- uh, more prepared for the, the abuse that his body takes as a pass rusher. Um, and the kid they drafted to help plug up the middle. I mean, I, I think, Dallas and Philly are clearly the two best rosters. So division comes to that, but I think this division is going to be won with somebody at about 10 10 wins, maybe 11 at best. It's definitely going to be interesting. And you know, I'm not going to do that to Dallas. I'm not going to pick them to win the division because that's what I do. But, I, I mean, you kind of said it best about the Daniel Jones thing. I will say this. This is his year to prove it, and I do think he's got a shot. But I also think it's a pretty good possibility that he craps out and a certain couple of uh, Giant fans that we know will be yelling and screaming that they shouldn't have given him the contract. He's got a shot to prove he deserves it. He's got a shot to live up to it. But this, this is – if he don't do it, this is his last chance. I think the craziest part about Dallas' schedule mm. is they only play two one o'clock games. That is nuts now that you're saying it. That is but crazy. Yeah. That that rarely happens when they when they <clears throat> let's see, when they're on the road against Arizona, it's a four twenty five game. So that technically will be one thirty Arizona time. Yeah. Um It'll still feel like 425 if you're over there and you're not used to it because it did for me. Well, not only not only that, but you also got to keep in mind, Dallas is only one hour away. Or, yeah, that's right? fair. I, I think you're right on that. I think um, – Well, it actually depends yeah. on what – because Arizona doesn't do daylight savings. Yeah. So it depends on where you're at. I can't think off the top of my head where they'll be at, whether it's ahead an hour or behind an hour, but it'll either be one hour or two hours time difference for the uh, Cowboys. Mm. Um, but like when they play at San Francisco, that's a prime time game on Sunday night. When they play at San Diego, that's a Monday night game on prime time. So other than that, they're home against the Rams at one o'clock and they have a away game at Carolina at one o'clock. Mm. And so, I feel like uh, I feel like normally a good deal of their Sunday home games are at one o'clock. So that I'd is kind of a 50 50 split because they, uh, they NFL knows Dallas is a, a, a going to get people to watch. Even when you're not a fan of the Cowboys, you hate the Cowboys. So you watch the, because you want to see them lose. <laughs> Very true. Very so. true. 
Yeah, the the NFL rather have them going up against two, three other games than having them go up against seven. Mm. Yeah. Anything else from across the NFL's schedule that you saw anything that stood out to you or? Not really. And the reason I say that is I don't really get too hyped about this schedule release. We've known who these teams are playing for months. Now we just know the order that they play them in. So I don't really get too excited about it. Um, I I just, I think it's going to be very interesting. Like the Giants to me are honestly the most interesting team. Um, The Commanders are another interesting team. Just simply due to the fact that those were two teams that did better last year than anybody expected. And they took advantage of a bad schedule, just like Dallas did, just like Philly did. Like, they weren't the only ones. Um, and and they came in, and, and Washington almost got to the playoffs. The Giants made the playoffs and then just got completely blown out by Philly. Um, and and I, I just think when you, when you look at it, they had a big road win in Minnesota, but they knew they could beat Minnesota. To me, it reminded me a lot of what you watched when they beat the Patriots after the Patriots had the undefeated season. They almost beat them in the final game of the regular season. The Patriots played their starters the whole game because they wanted to go 16-0. and And when they got to the Super Bowl, they went in there thinking, we almost beat this team when they gave us everything they had to go undefeated. There's no reason to think we can't beat them now. And I think that's what you saw when they went to Minnesota and beat Minnesota because they really just lost to Minnesota because the guy hit a kick that, for being honest, if he kicked a hundred times, he's maybe hitting at fifty percent. So, you know, they they went in there knowing they could beat that team, and the way uh, they still could have lost if Minnesota actually executed on the final drive, but they got Kirk Cousins. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, honestly, um, that's really the big ones that stuck out to me. I think, obviously, division wise, that's why. Um, besides that, I mean. Nothing really football-wise, and I'm more than okay with that. <laughs> like, it, it's okay that we can just focus on the NBA and the uh, NHL playoffs and, you know, for baseball fans being able to get into those games and, and you know, start enjoying the, the grind of the, the summer uh, months. No enjoyment watching baseball. It's nothing but pain, Dave. Nothing but pain. Mike, it's so hard right now for me to feel that for you. They play 162 games. And it's going to be like this for all 162. It's just, it's not, it's not but good. I don't actually know that. I hope you're right. I hope I, you're right. So I, far, this is not going, this is not fun. I, I mean, to me, it's like if your football team starts 0-3, yeah, you're, you're feeling, you got a bad taste in your mouth, but, you know, you rail, you rail four or five games off in a row, you're above 500. I mean, when you got that many games to play, man, you, you go 15 and five in a 20 game stretch and your entire season turns around. Yeah, I mean, the hope is that that would happen for the Mets. And, you know, you're right. Schedule wise, they're only 20 and 22. So there's a lot left to play. It's just it's not looking good right now because all the pitching that we had is showing their age and nobody's hitting a goddamn thing worth of shit in the lineup. So th- there's some problems there. But I'm not trying to – I wasn't trying to make this about misery of the mess. You brought up baseball. So I just threw that in there. But, um, yeah, it's not a good start. But we can move off of – oh, go ahead. No, I, I, I'm good with the baseball. I mean, now we got NBA playoffs, Eastern and Western Conference finals, Miami-Boston, ESPN's giving 
Miami a 3% chance to win that series. We know what that does for a guy like Jimmy Butler. Um, they had to go six or seven games last year or two years ago in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, for Boston to pull that one out. So I, I think you're going to have a great series there. I think it's going to go seven, but I do think Boston just – they just have more depth, and, and I think that's what hurts Miami. They got guys that they can put out there just to foul people um, they, they, and, and still maybe get you a couple rebounds and a few points. Like Jason Tatum, if the guy from game seven shows up, Miami's got no chance. Um, but if the guy from games five and six show, or five, four and five or whatever the hell it was shows up, Miami win the series. Um, either way, I think you're going to have a great series there. And then Denver, L.A., I mean, it, Nikola Jokic, there's a lot of people that felt he should have won the MVP for a third year in a row and feel it only went to Embiid because they didn't want to give it to somebody for three years in a row. Because <laughs> um, I think the last guy to win it three years in a row was Jordan. Um, and I, I just don't think uh, – some people think they didn't want to do it. Whatever. Embiid had an amazing season and had every right to win that win that trophy. Um Either way, though, it, it, this is an opportunity for a guy like Jokic to cement his legacy, um, to be able to say, I made the NBA Finals by going through Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and then LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, I, I don't know how how you could write a better story for a guy that maybe did get screwed out of his third MVP in a row. Um, LeBron doing what he, LeBron right now is averaging – this, uh, in his 20th season, the same stats that Larry Bird averaged in the prime of his career in the playoffs. <laughs> like, I will always, always, always say I, I think Jordan and Kobe were better than LeBron. I'm, I'm always going to say it. Always. But I will never deny my respect for what he's done. I will never say that man doesn't deserve to be on the Mount Rushmore of basketball. I will never say he, he's not a transcendent player, and we probably will never actually see anybody like him again. Um, and, and it's just been unbelievable. And the Lakers have found contributions from guys with no name at all. Um, Anthony Davis, when they win, is playing like Anthony Davis from his healthy days in New Orleans. And Anthony Davis, when he lose, when they lose, plays like the Anthony Davis that we all wonder how that person exists. <laughs> so it really is going to boil down to Davis and his ability to guard Jokic and his ability to be productive on the offensive end. Um, I actually think he's more important to the Lakers than any other player, including LeBron, uh, when it comes down to determining whether that team wins or loses. And the 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 Nuggets are going to go as far as Jokic takes them. So uh, that that's really, really what it boils down to. I'm going to take Denver in seven. Um, so I do think both series go seven games. Uh, but I, I'll take Denver in seven, and I'll take Boston in seven. Denver and Boston. Okay. And honestly, that's probably where I would go on that too, just thinking about it. I, I think a Miami-Denver series would be fun, but I think Boston – I think they got a little bit more and the heat, in my opinion, they're just that scrappy team that you can't keep down. But I do think there's a limit to that. I think Boston's the better team. Um, 
I mean, the other thing, we got the draft lottery going on right now. We can get into that in a little bit. But so Phoenix loses to Denver. Monty Williams gets fired. And Phoenix loses, or excuse me, Philadelphia loses to Boston. And the hammer drops on Doc Rivers. Now, I think we've always been fans of Doc Rivers. But unfortunately, he, he's been in this spot a whole lot of times. And what has he got? Eight series losses in the semifinals? Tell me. I think that's right, right? So I saw this uh, today. In the five years since Doc Rivers left Boston, and his reasoning for leaving Boston was he didn't want to coach through a rebuild. Right. In the five years since he's left Boston, he's never gotten out of the second round and made it to the second round twice. Boston into the Eastern Conference Finals twice. Yep. And they made uh, a finals at one point. Yeah. Uh, that was two years ago when they beat Miami. Mm-hmm. So yep. that... I mean, no disrespect to Doc Rivers, what he was able to do by putting the personalities of Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray John Rondo together and, and getting them to play team basketball and, and go win the finals. Um, also by beating Kobe Bryant, Paul Gasol, and, and a pretty talented Lakers team. Um, like, he deserves credit for that run and what he did with, the, with that, that team. But when it's all said and done, like his last five years as a head coach has been nothing but disappointing. He got out coached. Um, I don't think there's any other way to put it. I think he got out coached, and and his elim- him being eliminated, it was expected. Um, at Monty Williams and Phoenix, that kind of surprised me, but. You know, we talked about this a while ago, um, when I say a while, a couple of years ago, how the Warriors wouldn't be who, they, who they've been over the last, you know, six, seven years if it wasn't for Mark Jackson. But Mark Jackson wasn't the guy to get them to a championship. Steve Kerr mm-hmm. had to come in and add a little twist and get them there. Maybe Monty Williams is a guy for Phoenix that just he got him as far as he can get him, and and bringing in somebody else is going to be the right move for them to be able to get that team to where it needs to be. Um, I'll tell you, as a Bulls fan though, I'd have no problem with Billy Donovan being fired and Monty Williams coming in and coaching Chicago. <laughs> I bet, I bet you would like that. Ah. Here's my my feeling is I think both of them are justifiable under NBA standards because I, I don't personally think it's Monty Williams' fault that Phoenix couldn't win. I mean, I think he was asking for a lot for Durant to come in off the injuries he had. And as great of a player he is, I think he was asking for a, a lot for him to gel with Paul and Booker to the point where they were able to close out a series. I just, I just always thought that was a long shot. But in the NBA, you don't fire the stars, you fire the coach. And you kind of said it with Doc Rivers. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if the fruits of the process will continue. But I, I like Doc Rivers. He's had a lot of chances, and his teams, for whatever reason, don't get past the second round. So with the Clippers, you've seen it with the 76ers. So I just I think it was time for both, unfortunately. 
Yeah, and, and I, I think, you know, what what killed Phoenix, I mean, Chris Paul went down after game two and didn't play the rest of the series. Mm. That's a huge and, blow. Yeah, and unfortunately, he does that. I mean, that's the knock on him. The injuries have been catching up to him the last five or six years. Shit like this happen in Los Angeles with Doc Rivers as the head coach. Yeah, and I agree. I think it's it's sad to say because – I'd say Chris Paul is arguably one of the greatest point guards to ever play the game of uh, basketball. But mm. I, I, at some point, you got to accept the fact your body just doesn't have it in it what it needs to have to grind through the playoffs. I, I mean, a guy can play through the regular season. He, you know, he, he didn't miss a, a crazy amount of games, but he gets to the playoffs and defense gets more physical and the games get more intense and. I mean, maybe – and, like, that's another thing, right? Like, they always say, like, sometimes injuries happen because the guy's pushing himself too hard and not mm. just letting the game come to him. And, you know, for how long he's been playing, for all you know, he just knows his, his days are running out and maybe he's pushing himself too hard. He might not even notice he's doing it. But you know, there's so many factors that go into injuries, especially the, the type of injuries he's had where it's not really – you know, he's not getting fouled hard and slammed to the ground. Like, it's it's stupid little injuries that you just you sit there and you're like, dude, really? And that's why people judge him for the injuries. Yeah. And I, I can't disagree with anything you said. That's why it is unfortunate. And it's happened quite a bit. And again, you can't necessarily blame Monty Williams for that. But like I said, it's it's never the star who has to go. It's always the coach who has to go. Not right. Yep. So, okay. So we got that. Talk that. Um, Let me check to see where we're at with this NBA uh, draft lottery right now. What do you know about this? Praying for a miracle. (laughs) Where are you guys at odds-wise? I can probably find that. But what do you think of – Good old Vic here. I don't think either of us can pronounce his last name. So he's good old Vic. So Chicago has a 1.7 or 1.8% chance. Mm-hmm. They actually had the same odds when they got the number one pick and drafted Derrick Rose. Um, either way, though, I don't think it's going to happen. I think what you're going to see is actually Dallas end up with the number one overall pick, if I had to guess. Interesting. Very well, interesting. Need- they, they know what Luka Doncic's worth and his value to the league. And Mark Cuban, kind of like Jerry Jones, has a lot of influence on how things unfold. And <laughs> I know most uh, most people think that the NBA draft lottery isn't really just a, a matter of luck. So, Yeah, that that is always out there. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you can find it. Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And guess what? As a Nick fan, we're we're uh, Nick fans are rooting for the Mavericks to pick outside of the top ten, so that pick goes to the Knicks. Yeah, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that could happen. That's for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, I, I it, it it's going to be interesting, but it's still one of those things where. I mean, look, this kid that coming from France is, I mean, his highlight tape is just ridiculous, but playing in France ain't the same as playing in the NBA. 
That's very true. That is very true. So what time does the draft lottery actually start? Because they started advertising for this at 8 o'clock. We know it's only going to be like 30 seconds anyway. What are you waiting for? So they they do it so it lines up with the tip off of the first uh, of the game. Okay. Yeah, I think tonight's – I think tonight is uh, – Well, it says 8.30 here because this is in Denver. Yeah, so, yeah, it's Denver, L.A., so they're going to do it later because it's a West Coast game. Oh, they're still doing it halftime during the game? No, they remember- didn't do oh. it before. So, wait a minute. If the game is advertised to start at 8.30, it is 8.15 right now. What, they're waiting till 8.30 to do the draft lottery? Uh, Probably about five minutes from now, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> oh. Well, okay, I guess I fell for it. They do that to get people to watch their shit sooner. So, okay, fair enough. We're not going to wait for that. Um, no. You have a, no. What did you say? I still need to shower, walk the dog, shower, <laughs> eat dinner. Yep. Um, no, no disrespect, Mike. I, I, I don't have enough in me to fill that time. <laughs> I said it. I, listen, I said it before you could say, no, we ain't doing that. So, I'm with you. I get My- you. Yep. All right. Well, did you have anything else sports wise you wanted to bring up tonight? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. Well, I know what I wanted to bring up with you, actually, now that I talked about it, because I think you talked about this on the show last week that you were going to like Fenway Park or something like that. All of a sudden I get a text from you. I think it was like late last week uh, with the ball signed by the entire 1986 Mets team. And the question I had, so you were, they, they had that in Fenway Park? Yeah, so I went up to Boston for the weekend with my girlfriend. So we yeah. left early Friday morning, and at 2 o'clock, we did a tour of Fenway Park. At the end okay. of the tour, you walk through their member, memorabilia area that has all these different, like, you know, um, the MB, you know, the first Cy Young trophy, um, you know, cause of Cy Young, uh, you know, this, that, whatever, all these different things. And one of the displays they have is they have a baseball that was used in every world series and is signed by the winning team of the world series. Yeah. So whether yeah. Boston won it or another team won it, whoever won it, like, if I knew the Yankees well enough, I would have looked for the years they wanted just to see if, like, that rivalry was that serious that they kept them out of that display. Um, but I couldn't think off the top of my head. And at that point, I was exhausted. We started our morning at, like, 7 a.m., and that was at, like, 3.30 in the afternoon. So, nice. um, but, um, yeah, so the Mets one, I, I'd, like, I, I, I'm, like, I got to go find this so I can take a picture of it and send it to Mike. Um, so, <laughs> Believe it or not, Mike, the only spot I actually stopped at was right there so I could take that picture and send it to you. Everything Aww. else, I, I just walked by and glanced at. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm, I'm touched. That's nice. I, I, I figured it'd be something you'd appreciate. And, I, you know, even if you went to Boston, I don't know if you'd spend your money on doing a tour of Fenway. So, um, but no, it was cool, man. We went up to the top of the Green Monster. Got to see what the view was up from uh, view was like from up there. 
Um, it, it was, it was, I, I told my girl, I was like, honestly, I literally could not understand why you booked this tour. Cause you know, I don't care about baseball. And like, <laughs> we we're like halfway through and I'm like, this is awesome. Like, it was just cool. Like the guy, the guy that ran the tour, his, the first time he went to a Red Sox game was in like 1961. Huh. Like his dad took him when he was a little kid. I mean, the guy had to be pushing in his mid eighties. Mm. So uh, yeah, it was like 1950, 1960, something like that was the first Red Sox game he ever went to. Well, I'll tell you this. I've always thought baseball history is pretty cool. Like I know we've talked before and I feel like you said you don't watch like baseball movies and things like that, but like older baseball movies are actually pretty good. I know a lot of people stand by, um, what is it? Pride of the Yankees. I always liked 61, the movie about um, the summer uh, between Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris, where the home run chase was going on. I've always liked like older base uh, movies. I should say baseball movies about older subjects. I- I've always liked that, I- even though I've never seen Field of Dreams. That's not a real movie, but... Oh, I love Field of Dreams. Well, I, I love, that came out wrong. Not that it isn't a real movie, but like it's a baseball movie and everything, but like it's not based on real shit. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I get it. it I just yeah. love that movie. Rosie O'Donnell's great. Madonna's great. Tom Hanks is great. No, you, wait a minute. You're thinking of League of Their Own. I thought I said Field of Dreams. Oh, you did, and I never watched Field of Dreams either, so we're, we're together there. My bad. <laughs> yeah, I love League of Their Own, by the way. That, that's, another, that's also based on real shit. There was an all-women's baseball league in World War, uh, when everybody went overseas in World War II. That's in Cooperstown. Okay, I, I, I feel so much better about you as a person right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I that's a movie I didn't fully appreciate when it first came out, but I can honestly say the older I've gotten, the more I appreciate that movie. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> See, I, I'll tell you this. That's the scene everyone knows, and it's a classic line. The, the scene I love, because I went through this all the time working with younger kids, uh, at the jobs I worked with the scene later in the movie, when she makes another bad play. So he goes to yell at him, but, she, but he can't cause now he cares about him. So he just starts shaking uncontrollably and goes, you're still missing the cutoff man. Now that's something I want you to work on for next season. You just see him start shaking. <laughs> I could relate to that later in life. Go ahead. Yeah, I appreciated the, um, I think it was Madonna that made the slide and she ended up with like a, a yeah. late sized bruise on her thigh. Mm-hmm. But that, that was one of those moments where you're like, all right, well, these girls are really playing baseball. Like they're not taking this lightly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, you said it before that entire cast is just fucking awesome. Hanks is great. Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, Gina Davis, Lori Petty. Great freaking cast. Yeah. Yeah. I- that's a classic I could watch. Mm-hmm. That, you know, um, Sandlot, Sandlot. I mean, I know that's not a real baseball movie, but like. It's, I, I love that. I, I love that movie, too. I will not say a bad word about Sandlot. The, the whole basis of the, that movie or foundation point of that movie are those kids playing baseball together. Yeah. <laughs> Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Yo, before I left my previous job, I hired a kid who. 
in the back of my mind, I didn't really think that I, I, I kind of saw it, but it wasn't the first thing I would place with him. Kind of looked like Benny the Jet Rodriguez, but he was like very young kid, like early 20s. And then like a month in, he tells me that he dresses, he has a Benny the Jet Rodriguez jersey and he dresses up like him for Halloween. I was just like, oh, you're doing that. Oh, that's <laughs> happening. <laughs> made, you, made you that much happier about your hire. Yep, yep. Ah, good kid. I'm not going to go into detail, but yeah, good kid. Um, definitely no Benny the Jet Rodriguez, though, I will say that. Um, but yeah, no, another good movie. I, I, I've told you before, I've always been a huge fan of Major League. Like, that's another one that's not really real, but it's based on a franchise that the Indians still, they, you know, they, they hadn't won a championship since the 50s when that movie was made in the 80s. And here we are in the 2020s, and they still haven't won a championship. That's just miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing you could say about the Mets in that regard is we're the bad team and rookie of the year. Well, yeah, but that pitcher was an asshole, so I, I'm not going <laughs> to. got to own that one. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, you should watch the major league movies though. The first one's a freaking classic. I like the other two better than most other people do. So, oh, I've, I've seen the first major league like 10 times. Oh, okay. I don't yeah. know why I thought you didn't see that movie. Um, what the fuck's his name with the black hair? Charlie Sheen. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what, Wesley, Wesley Snipes. Is, yeah. Snipes. He's in the first one. Uh, the dude with the, uh, the the rituals he did in his locker serrano pedro serrano my favorite was how mad they got the female owner when they did the (laughs) cardboard cutout yeah like that that experience is one of my like that was so i thought it was hysterical man that had me dying but yeah that has some great lines in it too and i can tell you just like you don't need to be a baseball fan to watch that movie. That's just a timeless classic movie. But if you're a baseball fan and you see guys on your team doing some of the shit that they did in the spring training, like to have a coach who says, the next time I see you hit the ball in the air, you owe me 10 sit-ups or whatever the hell it is. Let me tell you something. When Jose Reyes was in the prime of his career and he thought he was a power hitter, don't think I didn't think Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> just get on base. Yeah, and I just scream at the TV. Next time you hit the ball in the air, you owe me 20 push-ups. <laughs> yeah. So I love that movie. Fucking classic. All right. Um, oh, because you went to Fenway. I'm trying to remember how we got on that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, glad you had fun at Fenway at least. That's good. Uh, yeah, no, dude, it was I, – I mean, I, I don't even know what she paid for the tickets. But it was worth every second. Like, really had a good time. Um, the history was so like, like, like I said, I'm not a baseball guy, but I mean, there's a reason it's called America's pastime, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, no sport in the history like like baseball does. And and if you can't respect that, like, then don't call yourself a sports fan. Just call yourself a basketball fan. Just call yourself a football fan. Like, don't say you're a sports fan. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, always respected the history of baseball. It's just, you know, watching the game. Mm-hmm. 
I will say this for me personally. And I listen, I haven't been to a lot of games live and in person in the course of my life. And I feel like I have gone to more baseball than football and basketball. And obviously we live in New York and we're cowboy fans. So I've, I've never seen a ga- cowboy game in person for me, like walk, whenever I would walk into Shea stadium, even Yankee stadium to an extent, and now city field, there's just something about walking into a ballpark. It just feels like the hallowed halls to me. You know what I mean? It feels like something bigger. Uh, I, I- I get that, especially with your older franchises. Like, I mean, like, for an example, Boston. They said the stadium was built in 1912. Like, mm-hmm. so that thing's been standing for 121 years. Like, or no, I'm sorry, 111 years. Like, there you that, go. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Like, crazy. I mean, obviously, they did updates and this and that and whatever, but, like, the foundation of that stadium is 112 years old. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. No, that's that's Fenway Park, man. I would love to go myself at one point. I just I well, I and I think I said this to you. I don't feel like I ever need to be on a plane again. So I'm not gonna do that. And I can't see me driving all the way up there. So I don't know if that's gonna happen. But Fenway is a crazy that is that's baseball history right there. Mike, your ride there is probably shorter than mine. Well, it would be. It, yeah, it'd probably be shorter than yours. But how long was yours? Three hours and like 49 minutes. Yeah. It means it'd probably be a two-hour ride, I'd say. That's I a think good. Jersey, huh? two hours often. That gets you to AC, Philadelphia, anywhere in New, New York. Uh, city or the five boroughs two hours is nothing from around here but yeah it was it was it was uh, the ride home was long man that ride was brutal uh kept mm. traffic and whatever but either way I had a great time glad me and my girl got to go do that and uh happy i did the family tour that's for sure and glad i could get you that picture of that baseball just in case you never do make it at least you got to see probably the part you would love the most Dude, I, I was trying to enlarge the photo so I could figure out other people's names on the uh, photo of the bowl that you sent. Because I got I, what I got one within like 30 seconds. What I saw Ray Knight on there and then you had Rick Aguilar. And I think those were the only two I could really make out. Yeah, I wouldn't take pictures <laughs> for you, but me and her had, hadn't eaten at that point since like. Yeah. No, I listen. I so, appreciate um, you. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. So I listen, I appreciated you doing that. So that was fantastic. Yeah. But glad you had a good time there too. Um, did you have anything else like uh, done? With, I guess we're done with sports there. Anything pop culture wise you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, I told you last week about watching Mario. Uh, <laughs> I heard. I, I heard. Oh, I know. Um, June 12th or the second Friday of June uh, Disney plus Disney plus is going to be adding on the new avatar movie. So I'll watch that once it's on there. Um, I can't, I just, I, I'm not, I wasn't willing to spend money on it cause I didn't like the first one enough. And my, uh, my website I use to stream things that aren't fr- uh, that are, shouldn't be free. Uh, for some reason, never could let me load up the movie to watch it. So, uh, 
I'll have that for you in a couple of weeks. Um, mm. I'm hoping to take take mom uh, to see Guardians of the Galaxy maybe on Sunday. Yeah. So if I do that, I'll text you and let you know so we can kind of mental uh, game plan ahead to be on a little later than normal. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I'll tell you this. You mentioned that website. If it's the one that you gave me a few weeks back, um, I wanted to download Guardians 3 so my mom could watch it without having to go th- to the theater. And I finally downloaded the file after about two days. And uh, there's all these freaking watermarks and stuff around it. There's like a commercial for something in the middle of it. So uh, you can't really hear the music that well. Yeah, see, you should ask me about it. So the only time that it's worth like downloading or watch streaming a movie is if it's been out for like weeks. Because basically what it the website does is it finds all the illegal, illegal uploads. Mm. And first option is always the one that's like the best version of it. So like when I watch the Mario Brothers movie, all of the writing... So, like, the opening credits and the end credits, since there's no caption sa- captions in the movie, mm. all yeah. the writers in either Italian or Spanish. <laughs> so, like, I could read some of the things that were written, but the words, like, the characters all speak, spoke English. So, like, it's one of those things, the longer you wait after something comes out, the better version of it you're going to find. Yeah, I've I've had websites like that before too, but I'll tell you if it was just what you just said, it wouldn't be a big deal. It's it's more. I didn't realize they did so much on the illegal versions. So, well, yeah, cuz sometimes they're filming them through sandwich bags or I mean you got to keep I mean half of these things are filmed on somebody's cell phone and they don't even have a steady hand. <laughs> That, that, yeah, when you're not paying for something, I mean, yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Go to the movie theaters, you're gonna spend, you know, 15, 18 bucks for a ticket. That you know, they're, they're, they're your free versions of it are gonna be hard to find. I mean, you look up like an older movie, like we talked about, A League of Their Own, like if you stream that, like you would find like a DVD quality, true. Like, it's just a matter of like how long something's been out that determines how uh, good the quality is. Mm-hmm. And it also depends on the studio too, because certain studios, the longer that it goes on, there there are certain studios that will crack down on that. Like I know Warner Brothers was doing that for the longest time. Oh yeah, I, I, it's it's the game you play. Like I said, yep. I I tried Avatar like five different times, and not once could I get it to work. Or the one time I got it to work, it played for the opening credits. And as soon as they actually showed you Pandora, <laughs> I was like, cool. Thanks. <laughs> well, just, I, oh, I didn't tell you the experience I had on Monday. I told you it happened, but I didn't give you details. That's kind of what happened when I went to see the movie uh, Guardians last Monday. The first time I tried to do it. We got, I got there. And I should have said something to the person because I noticed that there were no lights on in the theater and the pre-trailer shit wasn't playing. So I should have said something there, but I didn't feel like getting up because I walked there. It was a 15-minute walk. It was fine. Um, And then at like whatever time it was supposed to start, 6.30, the movie didn't come on. 
So we got the guy to turn the movie on. He gets through. The, we get through all the trailers. And then at the end of the last trailer, you just see the blue rating for the movie. And it goes to the end. And it happened again. And that's what wound up. And I have no, no tolerance for bad projectionists, having been one for so long. I know what happened. These guys just didn't feel like fucking making sure that the movie worked before they played the movie. So they were lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting, I swear to God, uh, people who get the title manager are getting younger and they care less and less. Yeah. That's most things in, in the world, my friend. Yeah. No, because corporations cut the money. So. Anyway, that's a I, whole nother podcast. Yeah, I, I I think we'll cut it off right there. Um, well, if that is it for this week, because I got nothing else pop culture wise to bring up either. Um, I, I am looking forward to the Flash. I think that's coming out in June in June too. So that that should be. I, I'm really hoping that's a good movie. So we will go from there. If you had nothing else, Dave, I think that's a good time for us to get out of here. Sounds good to me, my man. I don't have anything else. Glad we All got right. to, glad we got to get back to more of a normal schedule. I'll be even better next week. Uh <laughs> this week we just had a company happy hour after work that went till six thirty and it ended up being a forty five minute drive home because of traffic. So um nice. Yeah, so it's I, the world the world we live in. But um yep. mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, glad to be back here on a Friday, uh, or Friday. I uh, wish it was Friday. Uh, <laughs> glad to be back here on a Tuesday with you, my man. And uh, yeah, until next week, uh, I hope the week treats you well, bud. You too, brother. So that is Dave Hastings. And thank you to everybody for listening to us on all the various podcasting outlets, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Keep forgetting not to say Anchor. Rate, like, share, subscribe, do all the things. We'll get out of here for tonight. Thank you to Dave Hastings. Thank you to Eric Pfeiffer and Larry Schmelrose for being with us earlier. Thank you, everybody, for listening once again. I am Mike Aglioloro, your host. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you all next week.